0: Good morning, McLean. Good to see you. My name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here. We've been studying Proverbs this summer, and this morning we are talking about what Proverbs has to say about parenting. Uh, Some of that's happening right now. So this is timely for some of you, like this is happening in the moment. This is in the moment application of sermons, and I'm not just talking about by the parents, but also as a church. We are a church with multiple generations, and brothers and sisters, that is a blessing. And it's our, it's our great blessing to be, even this morning, surrounded by lots of little voices. The greatest gift I could give parents right now is a three-minute sermon. Um, <laughs> but that's not going to happen. I do love you, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> Some of you are wondering, actually, why in the world are we talking about parenting in a uh, multi-generational church, because that means just by the law of averages, there are many of you who are feeling like, okay, this is like a fast pass to the checkout lane for the next few minutes, because maybe you're not a parent, uh, or maybe you're a kid, and so you're like, I'm not really sure what a talk about, a sermon about parenting has to do with me. What is, why would I care about what Proverbs has to say about being a parent? Um, that's either way in the future or way in the past or just not something that you think about very often. So let me tell you a story. It's actually a story that Ernest Hemingway wrote years and years ago. It was a short story that he wrote about a father who was estranged from his son. His son, uh, he and his son had, had gotten into a fight. His son had done some things that had hurt the family. And so uh, the son ran away from home uh, as a young man and the father decided he needed to go after him. And so he searched for him throughout Spain, where they lived. He ended up in Madrid, and it was the last place he could think to look for his son. And so when he got to Madrid, he did sort of like a last desperate measure to find his son. He put an ad in the paper, in the local paper. And uh, that ad simply said this, Paco, that was his son's name and a common name in in Spain. Paco, uh, meet me at the Hotel Montana Tuesday at noon. All is forgiven, Papa. Tuesday at noon, the father shows up at the hotel and he is shocked to see there is a crowd of people outside of the hotel. Uh, Police had to be brought in because 800 young men named Paco showed up, hoping that that message was meant for them. See, all of us can find ourselves in that story. As a parent, as a child, even if we're not child age anymore, even if we're an adult child, there is something about family that is deeply formative as a human being. There is something about the parent-child relationship that, is, that shapes us in profound ways. Some of you are still figuring that out in counseling right now both for good and for bad, and maybe a little bit of both. When we talk about what Proverbs has to say about family, we're not just talking about a role you play for a certain amount of time in life. We're talking about our own story. And this is why Proverbs talks so much about family, talks about it a lot. In fact, the book of Proverbs itself comes to us packaged as a family conversation. Chapter 1 A father begins to give advice to his son. Chapter 31, which we looked at a few weeks ago, is a mother giving advice to her son. And everywhere in between, the context of the wisdom that's delivered here on any number of topics is given within the context of one of the most, if not the most, formative human relationship we will ever have, which is our relationship with our parents. Because parent or not, all of us are kids, And so this passage, the ones we've looked at and the ones we're going to look at today, speak to the deepest part of our own story. And so it'd be good for us to step back and consider what Proverbs has to say about wisdom. To do that, I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump right in. Let's pray. Father, uh, we do thank you for your word, which speaks to real life. And uh, I know just looking at the folks in this room and imagining other people tuning in in different ways, that there are all kinds of wonderful things we would say about our family and then some ways in which our families have wounded us. And honestly, if we're, if we're honest, the other way around as well. We've been a wonderful part and we've also just done some really foolish things. So Lord, we pray that this would be a moment of healing for all of us as you gather your children around your word and that you would have a family talk with us about what wisdom looks like. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk about three things this morning. Uh, The purpose of parenting, uh, the plan that Proverbs gives us for parenting, and the power of parenting. The purpose of parenting is not as easy as it sounds. You know, when you leave the hospital with a new baby, you get a baby. They hand you the baby, but you also usually get a stack of paper, right? And if I remember that stack of paper. It's in all kinds of different colors, and there are brochures, and there are coupons, and there are informational pamphlets. There is not a mission statement that I could find in that. It was like, that part of it, the reason for your existence, mom or dad, you go figure that out. And from the moment you put your child in that car seat, which you are hoping you know how to operate correctly, usually the default mode of a parent, like the default purpose of parenting is protection, like Okay, my job is just to protect this little person from germs and from injury and from sleeping too long or sleeping uh, not enough and then that list of things you have to protect your kids from just continues to grow as they get older you have to protect their eyes from things they might see on the internet or things they might see on television you have to protect them from the bad influences of the wrong friends or getting the wrong teacher or getting the wrong coach or getting the wrong uh, instructor in music and then you you have to worry about, well, what if my, uh, my son or my daughter at age three is falling behind in all of these things, you know, in reading, so we protect our kids from falling behind or from failure, and if you begin to add up all of the things that you feel responsible for protecting your kids from, it's exhausting. Now, look, protecting our kids, very important. Okay, it is certainly sort of a baseline for what it means to be a parent. But when you listen to Proverbs, what you pick up on pretty quickly is that protection is not the number one priority that's given to us here. Keeping our kids safe for the rest of their lives is not given to us as the primary purpose of being a parent. If you listen to what this father says right out of the gate in Proverbs chapter four, verse five, and most of what I'm referring to will be up behind me. I will be in chapter four a decent amount if you just want to have your Bible open to one spot. This is chapter four, verse five. The father says to his son, get wisdom, get insight. I love the the, the next part of this. A few sentences later, the beginning of wisdom is this, get it, whatever you get, get insight. So pretty obvious what his number one priority is. His number one priority as a parent is that his kids get wisdom. And as we've talked about all summer, wisdom is not just being the smartest person in the room. Wisdom is about applied knowledge. It's godly living. It's knowing the right thing to do in the right way at the right time, as God would define what that looks like. And for this father, this is what he is passionate about his kids getting. It's wisdom. It's not to the exclusion of all the other things, but it's simply the number one thing on the list. Why is that? Well, one of the reasons this is true is because wisdom is the ultimate protection that we can give to our kids, right? Because wisdom is portable in a way that you, mom and dad, are not portable. So Wisdom goes with our kids through life. Uh, You may want to be in the third grade classroom with your child next week or this week. You may have tried to enter the third grade classroom or the 11th grade classroom, but you can't go there. You know who can go there is wisdom. You can't warn your kid of every single danger, seen and unseen, that will come into her path or his path. But you know who can? Wisdom can do that. Wisdom is the helicopter parent we all wish we could be, but we know that we shouldn't be. We try not to be, but wisdom gives our children the very pathway, as he says later, of righteousness. Wisdom guides, advises, and directs in ways that you, mom or dad, can't do. And that's why this father doesn't just say, hey, son, uh, like, you know, when you leave the house, some of you dropped your kids off at college this weekend. I'm feeling for you. It's a hard weekend. Not for the kids, but for you, it's a hard weekend, right? Because there's a sense in which you're like, all right, like, on the way down, I'm going to tell you everything that you need to know. It's going to be three hours of wall-to-wall, mom or dad giving you teachable moments in case we forgot to have these conversations. You just feel this pressure to say everything, and yet what wisdom does is it reminds us that God himself goes with our kids, that the Holy Spirit imparts wisdom long after we've run out of words to say and far beyond what we could ever teach them. Again, that's why the father says to this son in uh, in chapter four, verse six, love wisdom, right? Not just like, remember what I said, love it, embrace it. Kids, this is when we, when we have conversations with you. I know sometimes it's awkward and we talk too long and we get the words wrong, but what's behind that is this desire that you would own for yourself the wisdom of the Lord, that you would prize it, embrace it, that you would take it with you because it's valuable to you. It's also why I think um, the, the, the idea of wisdom, even in this chapter four and other places, it's personified. So sorry, students, to do this to you. I know you're right back in school, but just to like jumpstart your brain to personification is a way of taking something that's not really living and bring it to life. So that that the idea comes alive to you. Here, wisdom is personified. Embrace her, love her, pursue her. This is the passion of a parent's heart. This is the purpose of parenting, to bring and instill wisdom. How do we do that? Well, I'm going to make this sound a lot easier than it is, all right? But Proverbs does give us a plan. It tells us two ways in which Parents are to instill wisdom. And remarkably, they both start with the word D or with the letter D. So, uh, direction, discipline. That second one we'll get to in a second. I want to talk about direction for a second. Notice in verse. 11 of chapter 4, the father says to his son, just reminding him once again, look, I taught you the way of wisdom. I led you on the pathway of righteousness. That is to say, this isn't the first conversation that they've had together. There have been lots of conversations along the way, and we've talked about all of the topics that Proverbs covers this summer. We've talked about everything from wealth to sex to relationship to friendship to anger to lying to truth-telling to being jealous to being envious. We covered a lot of topics which says to me that parents over the course of a child's life talks about a lot of things and a lot of times those conversations are really awkward and that's okay and by the way it's not just parents who have those conversations there are lots of people in this room because of the sphere of influence you have you're having those conversations with young people too and you need to know the value of even the awkward conversation. I just found out this week that, that two of my childhood Sunday school teachers died the same week, a couple days apart. One taught seventh grade. He, special place in heaven, uh, not that we believe in that, but if we did, he, he would have it. Seventh grade boys, Sunday school teacher. And I know the guys who are in that class, including me. He wasn't a great teacher. I'll tell you right now, I don't remember a thing that he talked about. Not one, not a single thing, but I remember him because he showed up every week and he was intentional and he was honest and we opened the Bible together. The other was my 11th grade Sunday school teacher. Don't remember much of what he taught me either, but he was there and even when it was awkward, we were talking about things I needed to know. He was directing me as an older brother in Christ. Parents, adults, We have the great privilege of giving direction to kids who need to hear what we have to say, even when their eyes don't suggest they have any interest in what we're saying. Second issue, the second plan for parenting is discipline. Again, you knew this was coming because you probably walked in here today knowing one proverb. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Okay, that's sort of a proverb, sort of. Uh, It's a rough translation of Proverbs 13.24 and a few others, but 13.24 is the one I have in front of us today. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Now, last week, um, Pastor Nathan Newman here and then Rob Yancey at Fairfax preached on the topic of abuse from this uh, same book of Proverbs. And so in light of that, we should say right away, that this verse and others like it are not condoning physical abuse in the home at all. And if you have any questions about what that, where the lines are, what that looks like, go back and listen to last week's sermon. But one thing I will just point out, even short of abuse going on in the home, one thing that Proverbs makes very clear is that discipline is meant to be an expression of love. You see it right in this verse. It's an expression of love, not an expression of uncontrolled anger. Not an expression of, wow, kid, you're being really annoying right now. Not an expression of, wow, my kid just embarrassed me in front of 300 people. Discipline is meant to be measured, considered, prayed over, talked through. Which, if you hear what I'm saying and you're a parent, then you know this is hard. Uh, you know that even in a marriage, sometimes discipline is one of the main things that we fight about because we often have very different ideas of what discipline or not discipline should look like. And so welcome to the club. It's hard for everybody. All of us struggle to know what it looks like to provide loving discipline to our kids. But this much Proverbs makes clear. It's not an option. Part of what it means to create structure and guidance and build character in our people, no matter how little they are, even as they get a little older and bigger, we need to be clear about which way is the way of wisdom and which way is the way of folly, uh, one of the encouragements that Proverbs gives us in this is another proverb. Maybe you heard it was read for us a moment ago. Uh, Twenty-two six. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Have some of you have you heard that proverb before? Maybe a few of you. Okay. Uh, so for some of you, that's like your parenting Rocky verse. All right. You've got it on the fridge and you're up at five thirty in the morning, you know, making lunch for everybody or making breakfast for everybody. And it's just like you read that verse and the, the theme starts, and you're like, it is a great day to be a mom or dad. We're gonna get after it again today. I'm training them up, I got the long game in in mind, I'm gonna do what I need to do today. Some of you, that's how you operate, more power to you. For some of us, this verse doesn't help so much as it hurts. Okay? And the reason that this verse can hurt is because we treat it kind of like a formula. And we look at the second part of the formula, maybe the, for the engineers out there, the then part of the if-then if statement. We look at the then statement, and the then statement says our child will not depart from it. And we look at our child's life as they've gotten older, and you know what? They have. They've broken our hearts. They've walked away from our family. They've walked away from the Lord. They're making choices for themselves that everyone around them knows is not good or healthy. And so we read the then statement and we go back to the if statement and we go, well, then the issue is I wasn't a good enough parent. I didn't do enough when they were little. I didn't say enough. We didn't have enough uh, devotions as a family. Uh, we, they didn't get through the whole shorter catechism. Um, you know, I didn't give enough discipline. I gave too much discipline, right? We, we, we have this parenting guilt because we don't feel like our kid is walking in the way we showed them to go. And so for some of you, this verse hurts. So this would be a good time just to remind all of us whether or not this is the rocky verse or whether this is a verse that just really, really wounds us deeply to remember that Proverbs are not promises. Okay, the wisdom literature in the Bible, in the Old Testament, doesn't just include Proverbs about generalized wisdom. It also includes Ecclesiastes, which is a book that tells you, and what do you do when everything goes wrong? Or the book of Job, which is another book that tells you about when everything goes wrong. That is to say, Proverbs gives us good, sound wisdom as to what it looks like to be a wise parent, but it doesn't guarantee anything. And it certainly doesn't mean that somehow if you follow Proverbs directly or some parenting book that follows Proverbs directly, that you're now the perfect parent. There are no perfect parents in the room. There never have been. There never will be, including your pastor and all of your pastors, So how is this an encouragement? Did I just say this is an encouragement? That doesn't sound real encouraging. Well, I think it's an encouragement, first of all, to say that the things we do today with our children, whether they're in the house or out of the house, or little kids or adults, those things matter. Okay? Those things matter. The training of our kids matter. Even our imperfect, inconsistent discipline and direction matters. The other thing that's encouraging about this verse is to know that God is not done with your kid or your grandkid yet. There is a long game. It's hard for us to see the long game, but God sees the long game. And I know that's true because God isn't done with you yet. I hope he's not if he's not done with you, he's not done with your kids. And we can take comfort and even hope in this verse that says that God is the one ultimately who parents our kids. He uses our fledgling efforts to shape and to mold and to carry our kids through life. So this is an encouragement to persevere in the good work of being mom or dad, even when it feels like it's not getting anywhere. This is an encouragement kids, for you to continue to work on your relationship with your parents. And now I'm talking not just to kids in the house, but kids out of the house. I find that 20-year-olds are often processing their family of origin in good and healthy ways, and part of processing the way in which your parents, wow, they weren't perfect. Yeah, they weren't. But neither are you. So it's good for us, even as we're processing our own stories, to do so, showing the kind of grace and humility to our parents that we would want them to show to us. I told you I made it sound a lot easier than it is. It's hard. It's, parenting is hard. Now, to be fair, 13-year-olds, middle schoolers, junior high, let me also say this to you. Junior high is hard, okay? Okay. uh, marriage, kids, it's wonderful and it will crush you. Junior high is wonderful and it will crush you. Okay. So we're all kind of on the, in the same boat on that, but here's the thing. Parenting has its own kind of crushing power. And this is the reason why I think that's true because as parents, there is so much of us that's caught up in the life of our kids. Have you noticed that? so much of us that's just caught up in the life of our kids. I was reading these verses again this week and I was struck by the remarkable humility of, of uh, th- th- those last couple verses on the bottom the, from, from chapter 23. I'm just going to read one of them for us. This is 15, 6, 16, 15 and 16. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will be glad. My inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. Uh, do you hear how much of the dad's heart is wrapped up in their kid, in his kid's life? And, and, and so I would just say, kids, just maybe just give your kids, here, here's one place you can give your parents some grace, okay? I know some parents are psychos on the sideline and in the audience and during the prom pictures. I understand that. I'm not going to defend that. Okay, so parents, like, check yourself on that one. But there is a sense in which, kids, your parents are, like, super enthused about everything you do. And so you just got to give them a little slack. Like, we can take a couple prom pictures. Relax, all right? We're excited. And we're going to post it on Facebook. You're not on Facebook anyway. Why do you care, all right? (laughs) You know, I was thinking about this uh, a couple years ago. Uh, what we were at an award ceremony at my kid's school. And one of my kids just kept winning award after award, after award, like over the sound system, it was like, and Laughlin and Laughlin and Laughlin, right? Like less and less enthusiastic. And he just kept going up to the front and getting awards. And afterwards, my sweet, sensitive wife was like, Wasn't that kind of embarrassing? I was like, and I go, I I totally was. Inside, I was like, not at all. Like, no. (laughs) You kidding me? That's my kid. That's my name. But also, it was a good check on my own heart, and this passage is a good check on our own parental hearts to ask ourselves, what is it that we celebrate the most in our kids? See this, this father reads his own Proverbs. Okay. So he's got it straight. He's celebrating what he's celebrating wisdom. He's celebrating righteousness. That's, that's what gets the most joy out of the father. And there's nothing wrong with celebrating awards or accolades or scholarships or or, or any of those things. It's good things. We we just naturally are going to do that. As long as we don't forget what's most important. And as a family, we need to ask, what is it as a family that we celebrate the most? Why do we bring out the ice cream? Why do we give surprise gifts? What gets noticed? What gets too enthusiastic thumbs up? Parents, what makes your heart glad the most? It's a good question. Because a lot of times... Our getting caught up in our kids' lives is more about us than it is about them. You know, one person has said that having kids is like having your heart walk around outside of your body for the rest of your life. Have you ever considered the fact that God's heart walks outside of himself? We've been singing today about God being a father, God being a parent, what does that mean? It means that this morning, his heart walked into this room. And in a few minutes, his heart will walk back out. Proverbs teaches us this too. Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12. At first, it's like, oh, that's about discipline. We've talked about discipline. It's important. But I don't want you to miss the second part of it. The, the rationale for why God sometimes doesn't always give his kids what they asked for. <laughs> a hard lesson to learn. What's what's the statement there? What's the what's the indicative statement there? For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. As a father the son in whom he delights. You see we miss that part. We hear the discipline part. Like kind of all right, buckle up, I'll take that, but here's the reason. The reason is that when you become a Christian, when you place your faith in Jesus, God adopts you into his family and he treats you as he treats his own son. When God gives his benediction, God the Father gives his benediction on Jesus. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. He's not just talking about Jesus. He's talking about all who are in Christ by faith. That's you. (laughs) It's hard for us to get this because kids, sometimes we feel like at least I did when I was growing up and I still do as an adult, the only reason people delighted me is when I'm the perfect person, when I'm the person everyone else expects me to be. But the gospel is, that's not true. The gospel is God loves you and delights in you on your worst day as much on your best day because you are in Christ. And parents, sometimes we feel like unless we're the perfect parent, everyone else apparently is. And if we're not, then God's not delighting in us nearly as much. His heart's not nearly as glad as it is when we're getting everything right. That's not true either. The truth of the gospel is all of us enjoy the benediction of God every day, every second of every day, not because of our performance, but because God, our Father, did come looking for us and he didn't put an ad in the paper. He brought his own son into the world that we might have life in him. What's the power of parenting? It's actually this counterintuitive truth. It's that we're all kids in our our father's house and he delights in us and he enjoys us. And even this morning, he calls on you once again to embrace his love. Let me pray. Father, uh, we thank you that you have, through the finished work of Jesus, committed to us and also commissioned us to be agents of your grace. For those in this room who are parents, help us to do that well. It's hard and we're not particularly good at it a lot of the time. For us who are grandparents and great-grandparents, help us to learn what that looks like in this season. For those of us who are unmarried or don't have kids, Father, help us to see the ways in which you've given us voice in the life of young people, in our families and in our church families, that in all things we might point one another to you, our true heavenly father who rejoices and delights and sings over us in Christ. Holy Spirit, we thank you for these truths that you've shown us in your word. And now we ask you to impress them in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.